This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. Teal Talk Radio, Season 6, Episode 3. Welcome to Season 6, Episode 3 of TL Talk Radio. I'm Lynn Funy-Hatton. And I'm Randy Ziganfus. And today, we're speaking with Sherry Dodderer, author of Handwriting Brain-Body Disconnect, Adaptive Teaching Techniques to Unlock a Child's Dysgraphia for the Classroom and at Home. Sherry is zealous about how we learn. Pediatrics has always been her passion and love, and her favorite part of practice is seeing the light bulb go on in the mind of parents, teachers, and children. Sherry has made it her mission to help parents and teachers inspire children to transform the children's perspective on learning through easy-to-implement techniques teachers and parents can use to improve motivation in the classroom and at home. Sherry brings with her years of research and education. She earned a Bachelor of Science degree in both biochemistry and occupational therapy, and later a Master of Science degree in occupational therapy. In addition, she holds a certificate as a board-certified educational advocate and neuroscience coach. Furthermore, she's worked alongside several universities creating unique experiences for OT students and organizations in the practice of occupational therapy through adjunct faculty and guest lecturer positions. Sherry sees the world from a non-traditional perspective, as we'll see from our conversation today, and she has a private practice in Pennsylvania here in her own state, and lives with her husband, son, and cat. So welcome to the show, Sherry. Well, thank you. I am so excited to be here today. Thank you. Great. So let's kick off our conversation with a personal story about how you got connected to this important work around dysgraphia. Well, this question kept creeping up in my conversations with parents. How can my child read but not write? I heard multiple stories of children beyond their years. When it came to write, they would refuse. Some demonstrated sensory issues, not always. I could not find any research for this phenomenon. However, I was aware of the twice exceptional, you know, the 2E student. The 2E is a gifted student that is sometimes has a learning disability in some areas and is gifted in other areas. My quest to find the answer led me to writing the book, and today I really advocate for dysgraphia awareness. So in the bio, we heard that you've recently published a book. So let's dive into that book. Uh, And in the book, our readers uh, will learn how the brain and body work together to create this neural pathway for learning. Tell us a little bit more about this idea and what is dysgraphia? Let's go back a couple years, 2013, when the United States changed the mandate regarding education. When the Department of Education implemented the Common Core State Standards, I know Pennsylvania has a modified uh, standard towards the the Common Core. Both moved 
as handwriting was an implicit teaching strategy rather than an explicit teaching strategy, which meant that handwriting was taught right alongside reading. But the problem is that you really need to explicitly teach handwriting. So the combination of the reading and the writing completes literacy. And people will hear me say, handwriting is the key to unlocking complete literacy. Therefore, handwriting being that separate neurological process needs to be taught separate. Therefore, you need to teach both. So I'm glad that the state of Pennsylvania is working on legislation to combat that and get it back into an explicit instruction time. So thinking about that, um, you, you mentioned the PA Corps and um, how things have sort of evolved and getting it back into explicit instruction. But we also have to think about when we're providing this instruction, what are some environmental factors that might impact the instruction, um, whether it's formal and explicit instruction in a classroom or it's at home, informal, or at the breakfast table? So one of the things that I look back when I'm looking at environments is I look at the physical, I look at the social, I look at the cultural, the personal, the temporal, and the virtual. I take into account all of those pieces to the puzzle and I look at them and I try to really reflect on what might be going on in the child's mind to be able to answer those questions. So one of the things that I have found that working in the classroom or even at home, but especially in the classroom because of the, the lightings that happen. If we change the lighting to floor lamps, the lumens inside those lamps are different than the fluorescent lightings above. So that changes the environment for the child to be able to engage in their classroom. Those fluorescent lights also give off that hum, you know, that hum I'm talking about. It can really distract kids that have sensory issues, especially the auditory, but sometimes even the visual uh, gets in the way. So it can really uh, just disrupt their ability to engage in their environment and be able to, to be learning. Mm -hmm. um, another strategy that really surprised me, but more I thought about it, the more it was really something that was personally related to me, was changing the color of the paper. I know it's easy for us to just print off everything on white paper, but if we print things off on an altered color, gray or light yellow or light green or light blue, sometimes it changes the reflection coming back into the child's eyes and their eyes aren't so sensitive. Hmm. Also increasing font size and white space on the page are really beneficial. And I'm gonna add one thing that we didn't talk about before, and that is the amount of stuff on the walls of the classroom, especially the elementary classroom. Sometimes it's just too much there and it's too distracting for kids. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So going back to this idea about light, I know our listeners can't see because this is a podcast, but is there any connection to what you said and the setup of light that you have uh, behind you? Uh, the light I have behind me, yes, you're not seeing. I am actually in my home recording studio. My son and I are, are converting my daughter's old bedroom into a studio. And right now they just happen to be in the frame that so you can see them. Uh -huh. They are more of a blue lumen, which is really conducive to 
what you would see coming out of a news studio where a light in a lamp is more of a yellow lumen, which is softer for the eyes. You've heard a lot about the blue light and the uh, front coming off of your computers and out of the sun. That has to do, those are the differences in the two lighting. The ones behind me are blue lights. They're from like the studio. They're also more like the light you're gonna find out of the fluorescent lights versus a lamp shade, lamp, floor lamp or desk lamp or something. They're more of a yellow light. So they're gonna be softer to the eyes. Interesting. So let's move on to the topic of movement. So in your book, you encourage teachers to incorporate movement strategies into teaching spelling and vocabulary in the regular education classroom. Can you share mm -hmm. with us a couple of examples? One of the activities that I advise is movement with all of my activities. So treatment interventions in my book are reflective of motor learning theory. That is, if you don't use it, you lose it. You've heard of that, right? Mm -hmm. Well, just like an athlete that builds muscle, my program is building memory muscles. So we focus on the movement of each letter to solidify the memory. So one of the things that I do is I have put a letter with a movement. So the letter E is where you point to your eyes. The letter N, you point to your nose. O, you open your mouth. U, you go you go like a line along the chin. G, give me your hand. H, high five. So what word did I just spell? Enough. It's one of those sight words that kids just don't understand. They want to spell it E-N-U-F. So what this has done is it's given emotion plus the motion will give it a memory so that it solidifies into their hippocampus and they can recall it later. So the movement helps our brain to, to remember those things a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. That's correct. That's correct. So you also talk a little bit about um, SDIs and IEPs and 504s, and there's a lot of content in the, in the resource, but maybe a couple of ideas that we should consider as we develop these. Well, my first one is a complete evaluation by anybody that is part of the IEP team no matter what you might be thinking, you might have somebody that's on the IEP team that it might be a question whether they should be evaluated by that person or not, but sometimes it's really a benefit. One of the main goals of OT is handwriting, but also activities of daily living in general. But specifically the goal of handwriting, it's legibility and speed. Am I, is, do I, is that correct? As far as the educator's perspective, it's really legibility and speed. I don't know if I would commit to speed. I mean, I, I don't know what you well, mean by speed, but certainly okay. in a reasonable when, amount of time. And that's what I mean by speed, mm -hmm. just to keep up with their peers. Mm -hmm. So when you're looking at the handwriting, I just narrowed down on that when I was looking at the book and I was looking at it from a neurodevelopmental standpoint and the types of dysgraphia that I found were visual spatial, motor, memory, word formation, sentence formation, and paragraph formation. So as you're building your sensory motor processes and your language processes and your cognitive processes, you build on them. So as far as an IEP goes, if we're really concentrating on legibility and speed, 
we really want to narrow down on those different pieces of the types to help them on have that chance of meeting that goal. Sure. Okay. So when I look at motor, cause that seems to be one that's easy for people to understand. I've narrowed down motor into four different sections and that's control, accuracy, precision, and speed. I call it caps. So we're looking at motor control, pencil control, postural control. We're looking at the accuracy of how they're writing. Is it precisely where it's supposed to be on the paper? And is it speed? Is it tempered with the students that are around them or is it really fast? Is it really slow? Usually I get the referrals for those that are really slow. And then one of the other aspects that I talk about is uh, memory. And I always uh, find ways to get BDP and Q, something that the kids will remember and get it to stick. So I add motion to it. It might be using their thumbs for the B and the D and the P and the Q. It might be using their arms and their legs. Whatever it is, I try to incorporate those. So once they have those basic skills, then they can get into more of the language and the cognitive pieces and we really work on creating their IEPs and their 504s reflective of those strategies. So uh, I've enjoyed this conversation in terms of dysgraphia, not something that's been really in the forefront of my, of my mind, but definitely uh, expands my understanding of um, students that, that are challenged by that and, and the various techniques and strategies that you propose um, for us as educators to help support them the best that's possible. Well, well, thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciated that. So as we get into the last lap of our conversation here, um, starting last season, we actually asked all of our guests pretty much the same kind of three questions. So we call them the uh, lightning response questions. So we want some quick answers here, and uh, we'll move through the questions rather rapidly. Here's the first question. You ready? (laughs) Who is one expert our listeners should connect with to learn more about dysgraphia? Well, first of all, you can read my book. Because when I was looking at this question earlier, I'm like, there's really not much out there about dysgraphia. There are two authors that I did find. That was Brandt, and he wrote Dysgraphia, A Parent's Guide to Understanding Dysgraphia and Helping the Dysgraphia Child. And Bryson Stevens wrote the Dysgraphia Source Book, Everything You Need to Help Your Child. But there isn't a whole lot there. Yeah. All right. Uh, Second question. If you were going to recommend one book, other than the ones that you already mentioned, to our listeners, what would it be? Anything by Daniel Amen, but specifically Healing ADD. Healing ADD is specifically written for parents and adults with ADD. So it's really, it's written in that tone. So it's not written as from a technical perspective. But I also have to say that Peg Dawson and Richard Gere's books on executive function are amazing as well. So th- those are the Smart But Scattered series. Mm-hmm. So some complimentary resources to, to your book and to the ones that you mentioned earlier in the first question. Our last mm-hmm. one, what online site resource or person do you learn from regularly? I am a podcast geek. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm listening to podcasts whenever I'm in the car. My, my role as an occupational therapist, I work with cyber school students and I work with cyber school students in their natural environment, which is their home. So I get to spend many hours in the car. So my go-to podcasts are the OT Schoolhouse podcast by Jason Davies, 
the teacher's classroom. And then I have to say, I do do some business and marketing ones. And that is the Life Coach School, the Story Brand Podcast, and Read to Lead. All right. Well, thank you for sharing all those new resources um, from our lightning round questions. And we'll be sure for our listeners that all those that Sherry recommended are uh, appearing in our show notes for this uh, particular episode. Thank you. So what's next for you, Sherry? What are you working on now that you'd like to share with our audience? Wow. This was a really big one for me right now. I am in the middle of a book contest. So what that means is I am the top 10 finalist for the Author Academy Awards. To be placed in the first place category, it will be announced on October 25th. There's three parts to this contest. One is popular vote. Another one is social contribution. An overall presentation of the book, which means what does the cover look like? How's the content? What's the flow and the originality? So what I need everyone to do for me is to go onto Author Academy Awards finalist 2019 Go down to the tab that says that's red. It says, and click there. Scroll over to page 16 and then click on my book. Once you click on my book, the books will disappear. And I just appreciate you in advance for your time and your effort just to do that for me. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Sherry. Uh, we appreciate your time today. Well, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to help transform the lives of children and uh, get dysgraphia awareness out to the world. And to learn more about Sherry's work, uh, you can check out the show notes. We'll link to her blog, a video about the book, and also um, the book itself. Thank you. Each episode, we leave you with a question to think about, provoking reflection and conversation. This episode's question, how can you support learners with dysgraphia in your learning environment? If you've enjoyed this episode, would like to comment or check out our resources shared today, visit the show notes at TL Talk Radio and look for Season 6, Episode 3. That's all for this episode. We'll be back next week with another conversation featuring an innovative thought leader. Thanks again, Sherry. Thank you so much for having me today. Take care, Sherry. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com forward slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.